Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we ask that you open our hearts and minds to your message this morning so that we might find the path that leads to a sustained awareness of your loving presence in our lives. Amen. Following the Spirit. What does it mean exactly to be spiritual? Spirituality is really kind of an obscure term if you try to define it clearly. In the past, it was synonymous with being religious, but our use of that term has changed, especially over the last few years. In popular culture today, I think the term spiritual often refers to personal feelings or experiences that are related to divinity that can't be attributed to known physiological phenomena. Or in other words, it's often used to label something that is sacred and intangibly part of us and can't be explained by our understanding of how the mind works. Spirit is not something that we can see with our eyes or capture within some kind of container or take control of. We have some shared experiences that allow us to describe it, but our attempts to fully explain spirituality always seems to fall short. Regardless of our ability to clearly understand it, spirituality is widely considered an important aspect of our lives. According to a Pew Research Center study that was published in August of 2018, 24% of Americans say they are spiritual, but not religious. This is a growing demographic in American society in which people believe spirituality is important, but they don't feel that participation in organized religion or an organized religious group is necessary or maybe even helpful to them. So there is a recognition that there is an intangible yet perceptible divine presence in our lives by a number of people who feel that they can develop their own spirituality by themselves, primarily through inward looking to their own personal experiences. On the other hand, there are only 4% of Americans who consider themselves religious, yet say they are not spiritual. By the way, 75% or 71% of the respondents in this survey consider themselves at least somewhat religious. So spirituality is a subject that most people are interested in, but we really have difficulty understanding it. This has been the case for thousands of years. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, which we read earlier, there are several issues going on in that church community in Corinth. And questions of spirituality is just one of many of them. We'll say a quick prayer for those who are needing emergency services at this time. Amen. In chapter 12, Paul begins his discussion on spiritual gifts. This is a Christian community that Paul had established earlier. And many of them were really well acquainted with the idea of spirituality. But Paul, perhaps somewhat sarcastically, starts off by telling that they have much to learn by saying, 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. This is a community that perceives spiritual gifts within its members, as we can tell by Paul's criticism, of those who highly thought themselves spiritual if they could speak in tongues. So they knew that the existence of they knew of the existence of spiritual gifts. But Paul reminds them that their knowledge of spirituality was really superficial. They had just begun to scratch the surface. Like any other consequential discovery, the initial impact can be powerful and exciting. But the deeper we dig into it, the more we realize there is so much more to learn. As we start down these important ventures, we don't know what we don't know. Yet the more we learn, we begin to become aware of just how vast that subject really is. In his follow-up comment, Paul reminds them that only a few years earlier, they were praying to idols, completely unaware of the God that they were currently worshiping. So some degree of humility is important, and they should listen carefully to what Paul is saying, is what he's trying to tell them. He starts off by suggesting that they should ensure that their experience with spirituality is authentic. And how do you know that the feeling you are having is coming from God versus some random reaction to the things that are going on around you? Paul suggests a simple test. If you truly are being affected or being inspired by the Holy Spirit, you will know deep in your heart that Jesus is Lord. This statement is one of the earliest church confessions, and it's quite profound when you think about it. Christianity at this time was really a very new religion, and many who had professed a faith in Christ experienced some pretty harsh consequences. Unlike today in the United States, where really most people are Christian, most people in the first century were not Christian. Also, the culture at this time was a lot more in this time and place, was more kind of cliquish, meaning that pagans usually socialized and did business with other pagans in the same way with Jews. If you were a Christian, your opportunities for commerce, marriage, or even friendship were often very limited. Saying Jesus is Lord and following Christian teachings in this first century had daily consequences that resulted in more difficult living conditions. But of course, the benefit of having a relationship with Christ was worth it all. The sincere belief that Jesus is Lord was not something that someone could acquire on their own. It was a gift from the Holy Spirit. Next, Paul goes on to discuss the varieties of gifts from the Spirit. Actually, it's quite interesting to look at the verses 4 through 6 with an eye toward the, the concept of the Holy Trinity. The formal understanding of the Trinity that we use today or we think about today comes from the Nicene Creed, that idea of the one triune God that is made up of the persons of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This didn't come about really for another couple of centuries after this writing. But here we see Paul describe the variety of gifts from the Spirit, the variety of services from the Lord, who we just understood to be Jesus, the Son, and the varieties of activities from God or the Father. Although we may be reading something into these verses that was not 
originally explicitly intended, it could also serve as an example of a gift of understanding from the Spirit that had been given to Paul in the first century. And his teachings recorded in this letter may have been sources used by the Holy Spirit later in the fourth century as those who were working on the Nicene Creed developed the concept of the Trinity. Paul explains that the Spirit works in many ways and provides us different gifts. The example he gives are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, and interpreting tongues. This is a long list, but of course it's not complete. The Spirit works from an infinite space through all time to every person that exists, has ever existed, or ever will exist. But the examples that Paul gives help paint a picture of the kinds of gifts that he is talking about in this letter. Granted, our existence in this life is a gift in itself. So you could say that, that everything about us is a gift from God, including our, our attributes as our physical characteristics or our abilities. But the examples provided by Paul are more intangible traits that are likely to have a divine source. For example, we could say that wisdom comes from experience, but there's also the understanding that when the wisdom comes from extrapolating our experiences to novel situations coupled with the gift of divine intuition that leads us to profound practical truths. The divine correction or the divine connection that is more obvious in other examples such as working of miracles or prophecy, those are things that Paul also mentions. These are all gifts from the Spirit. And each of us seems to have certain strengths in some areas compared to others, which Paul also attributes to the work of the Spirit. Paul emphasizes that our spiritual strengths are not developed from our own self-help programs, but are given to us somehow as the Spirit chooses. This is one of the important points of the letter that Paul wanted to write to the house churches in Corinth. Apparently, there was a group of Christians that felt, felt that they had a special gift of speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues that gave them a higher status in the church. Paul acknowledges that these abilities are spiritual gifts, but he tells them that these spiritual gifts are not reasons for worthy reasons for claiming a higher status. All spiritual gifts are important and equally valued. Speaking in tongues is no more valuable to the church than the gift of, of knowledge or faith or discernment. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to help build the kingdom of God on earth, and all the gifts of each member of the body of Christ is equally important for achieving this important purpose. The Spirit decides who will gain certain spiritual strengths within the community, with the hope that the entire community will come together to bring about a transformation of this world so that we will all consistently live out our daily lives as though Jesus is our Lord. Paul's teaching to the church houses in Corinth are just as applicable to us today. As disciples of Christ, we are expected to use our spiritual strengths 
as well as our mental and physical strengths, to express our love for God and for our neighbors so that God's will will reign on earth. How do we know whether our inspiration is truly coming from the Holy Spirit or is driven by some other exterior influence? We can look at the consequences of the work we were called to do. In chapter 5 of Paul's letter to the Galatians, Paul teaches them that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Jesus teaches in verse 33 of chapter 12, the Gospel of Matthew, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. So we will know the motivations and inspirations, whether they're coming truly from the Holy Spirit or not, by looking at the consequences of the work that we're doing. And as we develop a better understanding of the gifts that the Spirit has given us, we can start to cultivate them. Continual growth is important, and I think it's important best to work this through this growth within the church community. Yes, self-reflection and personal meditation are essential components to spiritual growth. But corporate worship, as we're doing here, and fostering a sense of community are also important. I think those who are spiritual but not religious are missing out on some helpful opportunities. Granted, there are some times that, or sometimes in the past, there have been valid reasons when people have been turned off by organized religion. Religious institutions have made mistakes in the past that were inconsistent with the teachings of love and compassion that they were espousing. But I think these incidents are more anomalies than they are the norm. The vast majority of Christians and the work they accomplish are truly founded on the principle of love. Ignoring all religious institutions and the lessons that they have, been, that they have learned over the centuries is like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There are hundreds of Christian mystics teachers, and leaders who have contributed to the understanding of spirituality and have offered valuable insights into what it means to be in a deep relationship with God and Christ. Participating in faithful religious communities that support your spiritual growth and strengthen the community can be very rewarding. So how would you describe your spiritual gifts? And how are you using them? As a wise friend has suggested, all of us have all the real spiritual gifts available to us, at least to some degree. We may have been given a natural affinity or a greater affinity for certain gifts, but we all have the gifts of love, compassion, and discernment. I encourage you to set aside some time in the next week to reflect on your own personal spiritual gifts. Discern how you would like to use them. And then have a discussion with others in this church community about the ministry that you want to participate in or the ministry that you may want to initiate. We all have gifts to share. Let's follow the Spirit and use our gifts to strengthen our community, comfort those in need, and overcome despair with hope, spreading the love of Christ throughout the earth and building the kingdom of earth here in Yuma and the rest of the world. Amen.